Hey everyone, it's Satya, and you're listening to Love, Love Sex, Sex, and, and the Hidden, Hidden Agenda. agenda. I am joined today once again with Isa Lara Marie. And for those of you who did not hear the last episode, I'm going to introduce Isa once more. She is a channel and a healer in service to all that is. Isa offers energy medicine, shamanic work, channeling, and body-centered psychotherapy techniques. Her training includes a lifelong apprenticeship with mystic and shaman, as well as Hakomi's vacation from founder Ron Kurtz and many other body-centered psychotherapy modalities. Her work is a blend of the Toltec shamanic lineage along with angelic galactic guidance. Isa offers in-person as well as remote healing sessions, and she teaches energy medicine and shamanic trainings. Isa's dedication is to healing in all forms. She serves as a medium and a bridge from the spirit realm to this world. She's devoted to helping others bring back together that which appears separate into wholeness. Her lifelong mission is to heal the deep effects of trauma and conditioning into full joy and wakefulness. So in our last episode, Isa was telling us about her um, childhood of sexual ritual abuse and her teacher and became a channel and came into this path of healing. Um, and right at the end, she was sharing like how how she um, at her teacher, so male who had been through the um, to jumbles, Isa had been able to do these shamanic rituals to aid in her own healing. Through Issa's sharing of her own healing, I had this experience of like an instantaneous healing for myself. Like it made possible the, the healing that she was describing all of a sudden started settling into my system. So um, Issa, can you talk a little bit about how that works and and um and that is really the reason why I'm doing this whole podcast <laughs> to, your story is so so similar to me there's a lot of differences obviously but um I think this 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 story is more common than maybe many people want to believe um and so the intention behind sharing it is specifically for this collective healing so um how do you see that working with our consciousness or what, what I just experienced? Could you put words to that? Yes. So because healing is nonlinear, 
you can have a direct experience of someone sharing a story or bringing forth a particular energy, which I call a direct transmission of healing. And when you're hearing that and receiving that, your being, your energy body can take, is taking that in. And it's really important to know that you can heal without having to have actions on the ground, so to speak. You can heal by just receiving the energy that's needed as long as the mind and the spirit are open to receiving that. The healing is nonlinear, so the events don't have to occur. The brain follows the body, the cells change, and they incorporate the frequency that's coming in, and that actually is what heals. And, and that's a really beautiful thing because that means that you can heal anything. And you don't have to have the right doctor or healer or connection that truly, by opening yourself to the divine healing force at any moment, whether it's in your own space or through someone else or their words or a story you read, you can bring that energy in and receive it and be changed. Yeah, it's so powerful. And I've had moments like this. And I also find that sometimes I have these instantaneous healings and then I almost don't believe them. And I've seen this with my clients too. Like they'll leap forward and now must be cured of something like some chronic illness. And then they call it back. <laughs> and, um, and I'm just wondering like why, why that is and what, what your perspective is on that. Like, um, because I've also, I'm still in a lot of chronic pain. Um, and I know that it is a hundred percent connected to the abuse, um, and the parts of my memory that haven't fully, fully come back. And so for those, and I, I have, um, people in my practice also that have been suffering for many, many years. So for those of us who are still not fully like recovered from it. Um, how do you own the healing fully? Like really just claim it for yourself or how did you do that? You were talking, you know, whatever you want to share about your process of like how you came to that and then how it actually like sticks. I would love to hear. Mm -hmm. I would say for people who've had the level of trauma that I incurred it's very common, and it was in my case too, to have very chronic physical symptoms for a very long time. You know, that's twofold. That is that the body, my body, was so deeply violated repetitively. My body was drugged. I blacked out. Um, the level of intrusion and violation and humiliation and emotional intensity that, that my body experienced really did lead to very long-term chronic physical and emotional symptomology. And that is common. And I would say to you or anyone listening that that is not your fault. That comes with this history, this territory of, of a very heavy trauma field, I call it. But the good news is that with love, with compassion, 
with asking spirit to heal you, asking to be guided where you need to be, being willing to feel whatever you need to feel, you know, your emotions, your body sensations, that really this is the path that I engaged on. I, I became dedicated. I was committed my whole life to God. And when I met my teacher at that moment, I consciously became committed to healing, healing on this planet for all beings. And I knew that that started with myself, that I must heal myself. And I did that by dedicating my life to becoming embodied, to bringing all that I am, the light that we all are, all that we are, I brought all that I am down into this body and to really incorporate that true spiritual being as you all are out there. And then I began to commit myself to feeling whatever emotions, whatever sensations arose, and really also giving myself love and compassion during that time. I would say that if you still have symptoms, there's a good reason that you do. It's you or anyone out there. It's not anyone's fault when they're having still physical symptoms. I still have physical symptoms. I get very strange, weird body symptoms often. I'm a medium, so a lot flows through me. A lot of um, memory is still leaving my body. And, and like many of you out there, I'm sensitive. I'm, I'm very sensitive to energies, and that's how I do what I do. So for many people listening, that will be true as well, that some of the physical symptomology is, you know, it's very complex. Some of it may be collective energy coming in for you, amplifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I noticed. And um, I... One thing I realized in my own process and um, my awakening to my shamanic gifts and being a trans medium is that I felt like it was um, making me sicker. And so I, I stopped it um, because I, I couldn't tell if I was um, kind of taking on some, like there's, so much mysterious things that happen when you're channeling, right? And it's so powerful. And I was an, in an apprenticeship with a Hungarian mystic, and he was a very strong trans channel. I had zero interest in channeling. I was apprenticing with him just to learn mysticism and dream interpretation and colors and numbers. And But he would make me sit in on these trans channels with him. And I noticed that... Um, he had a lot of debilitating illness or he, he was struggling with his health. And then when the channeling started, it happened to me very spontaneously. I never tried to do it. It was something that I actually couldn't control. Um, and it happened around the same time that all this memory came back as well. Um, and I find when I'm working with other um, seers and channelers and people coming into their gifts that they often go together like my uh hungarian mystic teacher also had a history of severe um sexual abuse as a child and so i'm i'm just curious what your standpoint is on that i think um i mean i've sort of 
comprehended it in a certain way because I think those of us who have a lot of trauma have had to like escape the pain some way. And so we go to the higher realms to find safety or solitude while we're um, dealing with such harshness um, in the physical realm. But I'm, I'm curious, what is your perspective in that? And have you seen this correlation also between people who've endured a lot of um, physical abuse to then have these really strong spiritual gifts. Absolutely. It is so common. My teacher was very uh, overloaded with many disease processes and symptomology as well. She was a great medium. And it's very common that people who go through severe trauma become what they call the wounded healer and also that that is their preparation of how to learn such skills of channeling and mediumship it it is just often how it is here you know on the earth plane there's also another factor on malia is that often people who are healers or trans channels often are holding a pillar of light on the planet. They are holding a vibration and a frequency and dedicated to that. And sometimes consciously by the direction of spirit, taking on energy for beings and the planet. And so sometimes this is really adds to their load of having to transmute and there's also the factor that at times um these chan as as energy this high frequency energy that flows through mediums can really also offload the trauma it can begin to detox levels of energy in your body that are heavier and that can come out as symptomology absolutely yeah, thanks for saying that. I, I found the way I made sense with it all for myself when when I started waking up to these uh, abilities of seeing and I I saw myself as a, a digest a digestive kind of uh, energy. Like whenever I was in groups I would notice that I felt like I had to process sort of the, the pain of the suffering or the the denial in a group setting and it often um unintentionally like i was never trying to do this um, but if i was sitting in a group or the group started to be in a healing or whether it's a family unit or if it was just a a group of friends meeting or if there was any intention put behind the group i would find myself um, processing for the collective and going into these deep trances that I couldn't, um, could not control. And this was all the same years as like my father died and all these other things were happening to me as I was awakening to these gifts. And I saw it as like, okay, I don't know if it's mine or theirs, but all I know is that right now I have to transmute it and I have to process it. Like that's my, my job or my role. So in doing that, it just helped me um, clear it. And it's, it's been easier to do it um, when I think of it as other people's or clearing it for other people. I can move it faster. 
when it when it attaches to my own memory, like sexual trauma memory, <laughs> is where I find it getting stuck and really hard to process, like it's stuck in the organs and it's stuck in places like it's physicalized. It's no longer um, something I can breathe out or purge out or move through. And I was getting so tired. And I think so many empaths out there and so many people who are um, processors or digesters or waking up to the call of the, the shaman or the mystic or the um, the channel are kind of going through this process. Like I, I remember myself being like, I don't want this. I don't like it. This isn't something I chose to do <laughs> and I wanted to stop. And whenever I would try to kind of cap it off, uh, I would get sicker. So <laughs> I, I would find that I, I wasn't able to, to move it. Like I would see, it's like trying to um, put a, uh, a check dam in an ocean or something it's like the it's not possible to contain um but yet when it comes to the the personal healing for some reason it's just so much scarier than when i'm doing it for others or for a collective so can you talk about that or how did you how did you break through that for yourself how did you um come to the other side or, or where are you at in that process yeah. I would say in the beginning, when I met my teacher, I was partly sick because I was processing my for everyone else. And that really the skills that she, some of the main skills that my teacher taught me were how to get in my body, how to be grounded, and how to develop a container for my energy field of protection and sovereignty. And that has been a work in progress for many years. Um, what I know now is that we don't have to do that in that way any longer on the planet. That is an old way. Being a scapegoat, uh, maybe being the emoter. Many, many healers were the emoter for their family. They were the ones that processed the emotions, right? because no one else was processing the energy or feeling it or feeling the emotions and that we don't have mm -hmm. to do that any longer on the planet. And now I see that as a balance of feeling the collective, uh, sending light to the collective. Yes. Being aware there's a lot of terror out there right now. There's a lot of rage out there right now that there is a healing and a clearing happening and the greatest way that we can be with that is to name it, be aware of it, and hold the light and not take it on, not process it for the collective, but ask that this energy go to the light of God, go to source and be transmuted. And that simply, if we are aware of that, it will occur. It's the conscious awareness and speaking of that that makes that so. And I would say that's how you stay safe and well and not overloaded with other people's energy. I absolutely agree. Yeah, I, I found that for myself, I just, I came to a point where I was like, enough. <laughs> and I had to erect and 
the hard way, like realizing where my bound, my energetic boundaries are and what sovereignty actually is and how to identify what's mine and not mine really clearly and not take on the responsibility. I think when my gifts first opened, I felt like because I can feel and see and sense and emote for all these beings and people that can't, it's there for my job or my responsibility to do so. And, um, well, that was really depleting. <laughs> and I, I did that for a while. That was like my first few years of initiation to the point where I was like, okay, this is not not working. Um, okay. So we know we need to stay sovereign and, and hold our energy centers and like give back. That's what's not ours. Send it to the light, like allow, um, each person to do their own work. So how did you like just start honing in on your own healing? Like what, what was that process where you got into the, the deeper, places like do you still have well, you mentioned before that you do still have some memory coming up that you're processing and some I don't know what to call them aches and pains or tweaks or things that um, kind of are, are the fallout of that kind of trauma um, was there a point where you decided like wow I'm 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 healed and I'm over this or like can you share a little bit about the, the healing journey you went on with that? Yes, I would say that the healing journey is, is happening and, and it's infinite. And the way I define healing is really bringing all that we are back into wholeness, all apparent separateness or places where we might be disconnected back into wholeness. And I would say that that to me is an infinite journey of awakening as well. But how I have been through that is, you know, I basically still, I don't know that there was actual a point where I felt, you know, oh, I'm there. <laughs> you know, I would say that there was a point, though, that I felt first, the first level was, okay, I healed certain different diseases that I was diagnosed with. So that was a level. And then there was a level where I healed my sexuality and I was able to make love and have sexual intimacy without going into flashback, without being triggered, to have a very fully present, beautiful, intimate sexual reality in my life. And then there was other levels of healing. And so for me, it's been more like levels and layers of healing. The layers have been very thick. It's been um, like being under, there was a feeling in me that I was under a pile of dirt or a pile of stuff that was so heavy. And those layers have been removed from me. And I've, I would say that honestly, in the last years, there's a feeling that I'm emerging up through the earth, through this, this uh, surfacing, and that the layers are actually getting completely released. I do still have occasional, uh, it's not very common, but I will have occasional new flashbacks or a body, it usually comes as somatic body memory 
um, sometimes with different uh, chills or freezing states, um, shaking, um, heavy emotions, um, distorted thinking. I still do get those. They are much less common and they don't take me out any longer. I'm now able to be with them pretty efficiently and have them metabolize and process through my system. But it's taken, it's taken 30 years um, for me to really get to that place. Mm. It's taken a life Mm -hmm. yeah, of dedication. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. Um, For those who are listening, who might be, you know, recovering from sexual trauma um, what, what are some of the steps you took or that you could advise to take in, um, sitting with it? Cause I know for me, the flashbacks have been the hardest to deal with. And I, I think it's only been the last few months of my life that the flashbacks have pretty much stopped, um, knock on wood <laughs> because I'm not, but it's like the first time in my life since the flashback started, which was 2003. So whatever, the last 15 years, it's the first time that they've subsided where they're not um, showing up all the time. So how did you like, or what, what do you suggest in like dealing from, from the sexual level? Like how to, how to come back into that wholeness or to reclaim the sexuality and the, the joy of it. I know for me and for many of the people I've worked with, like the, the toxic shame around it. And a lot of the people just shut down or go into frigidity or um, just kind of stuck in a loop or stuck in a sexless marriage or afraid of pleasure, or just unable to pleasure. Like, what would you say to them, to those that are listening right now? I would say that the most powerful thing that one could do is to first consciously elicit the support of the divine to go into whatever your form of speaking to the universe or the the source is and directly regularly daily ask for help ask for divine intervention to come forth ask for the guides and beings that work with you to help you heal, to guide you to the people that you're to connect with, to bring forth in your world whatever it is that will help you and support you, and to really set your focus of intention on that. And then I would say that to follow, to follow your inner feeling, your inner knowing of who and what you're to connect with, and to really elicit the support of say a therapist or a healer or anyone that is an expert in that kind of trauma this kind of trauma you know severe repetitive violent physical or sexual trauma especially started in a childhood is one of the hardest traumas to heal because of its repetitive nature and the way it affects the brain in children over long periods of time. And it's really important to get help, to get support on the ground with someone. And is it 
possible that there are people that um, don't know that they were traumatized repetitively as a child that might um, like not remember at all? Do those cases happen or do you think there's, they kind of know, but maybe some of it's repressed? What, what have you been seeing in, in your work? I, I see it all for sure. Um, definitely, there are people who do not have conscious memory, whom are, I would say, I have, you know, some uh, mentally ill clients who literally cracked and their self was split. And they have what one would call in our culture disassociative identity disorder, which used to be multiple personality. Um, there are people that don't have conscious memory whom the trauma broke or split them for whatever reason, the level of that. And there are other people who have varying degrees of memory. Some don't have cognitive memory. It's very normal to not remember in a linear sequential way because trauma, it shocks and blows out the synapses in, in, in the mind and the brain. And the way they found that memory works is it often just comes through literally somatic sensation and impressions, perhaps visuals, perhaps hearing, feeling sensations, just deep impressions. And that that is actually more common when, especially when you were abused as a child. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because for me, I didn't have the, the conscious um, memory. I had conscious memory of my, my sister and my friends being abused. I had witnessed a lot of abuse, but I had no conscious memory of my abuse. Um, so for me, it's still a little bit intangible. And I think it's a little partially why... I'm having a hard time healing uh, my physical body from these ailments because there's a little bit of a disassociation with it. It's like I have these flashbacks, but they're not, I don't know if I can totally own it um, or something. Can you speak to that? Is there, is there some level that I know even in the sessions I've had with people, like they start to see something and they also say like, I think I'm making this up. And of course, as a therapist, I'm like, just process it anyway. Like it's coming up to be released. Um, But then the conscious mind jumps in and it's trying to make sense of it. Um, Do you find that, we need to accept it as reality in order to heal it or is there i'm i grab i'm grappling with this in my own self so i guess this is a really personal question (laughs) but there's others listening that probably grapple with this also so what would you say to that yeah i would say it's one of the biggest uh issues that people deal with when they've had severe very severe repetitive childhood abuse is when they begin to remember, they feel that they are crazy and making it up. This is classic symptomology from repetitive childhood abuse, especially in cults, 
not always, it's also common in regular abuse, but especially in cults where children were brainwashed and programmed. And I would say that in dealing with my own healing, it took me years to trust myself. I thought that I was going crazy for many, many, many years. And it took me many years to come to the place where I could trust what I was remembering. And we also are inundated with media and collective who don't want to acknowledge that this kind of abuse is rampant on the planet, not just to women, not just to children, but also to men and to boys as well. And as you see in the media and the news, it is coming out. You know, this darkness, this level of rampant abuse, especially cult as well, and sexual pedophilia, the rings of pedophilia now, childhood, it is emerging. And this can no longer stay hidden, and it, it is absolutely coming forth right now. I would say that you do not have to remember cognitively to heal. The only thing that is helpful for healing or the main thing helpful for healing is to be open to feel whatever emotions are there and whatever sensations. As long as you are feeling what's present with you, it will transmute. It will transform. You never have to remember the story. If you are meant to remember the story, you will. If you are, remem if you are meant to remember any level of memory, you will. It will arise. But it is absolutely not necessary at all. And the way I like to deal with that is I recommend that you just say to God, if I am to remember, whatever I am to remember, bring it forth in the perfect timing. Whatever is sourcing these physical symptoms, all that is, please heal this. Please bring this forth into the light. And that's really all that is needed in order for mm -hmm. the healing to happen. And there's relief in that, right? Oh, God, so much. Yeah, I, I think there was a whole big time where I thought I have to go back and all these regressions. And I ended up getting trained in past life regression and inner child work just because I thought I have got to stitch the whole narrative back um, because it was consuming me. Like I, there was just so much. And I, and then I got to a point where I'm like, I'm, I, I need to move forward. Like I'm really tired of trying to put chunks of time together and it as you said it's not linear at all and it doesn't totally make sense and i i'm not interested in like digging up proof and putting people in jail like it it's really just like a personal need to feel whole and healed <laughs> um and so i, I kind of let go of needing to know what exactly happened to me and just accept like, okay, I, I know as much as I need to know what I do know. It's pretty dark and already really challenging to digest, but um, yes, what, whatever I need to know, may, may it be shown to me in the right way in the right time so that I can totally integrate it and, and bring myself back into wholeness. So that's such a beautiful prayer. 
Thank you, Isa, for another um, lovely episode here. And we're going to have Isa on again because there's so much I want to speak with her about. So stay tuned for the next uh, episode of Love, Sex, and the Hidden Agenda. Thank you, Isa, once again. Thank you, Amalia. And, and where can people find you if they want to reach out to you? Do you have a website? I do. To? It's isalaramarie.com and it's spelled I-S-A-L-A-R-A-M-A-R-I-E.com. Perfect. And we'll keep that all in the show notes. Thanks for listening and see you next time. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you'd like to contact us and stay in touch with us, you can find us at lovesexagenda.com. That's lovesexagenda.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram, Love Sex and the Hidden Agenda. Bye.